You know, you should never, I was told, you should never appear up front with, a, with an animal or a child because no one's going to pay attention to what you have to say. Uh, um, let me pray. Lord, I so thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the way it, it just uh, it empowers us to be the kind of people you want us to be. And I thank you for this church, for these people, and the way they have encouraged Deb and me and Rob and Allison and others to just in our walk with you. In Christ's name, amen. We've been doing a series on the Holy Spirit. And this is the last of a series, so you may think, oh, good, we're done with the Holy Spirit. Don't have to talk about it anymore. Fine. Been there, done that. It's not that way. Essentially, every time we talk to one another, and certainly every time we talk here, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit because that's how it works. That's how the Holy Spirit works. Just as we said in the last series about the kingdom, the kingdom is God's reign through God's people over God's place. And through God's people means the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, so we're always going to talk about the Holy Spirit. But the challenge, besides the fact that the Holy Spirit's a big, big topic, um, there were entire church councils getting together to talk about what the Holy Spirit was or who the Holy Spirit is. And um, it's one of the challenges is that a lot of people have a vague idea about the Holy Spirit. There are many, many people, followers of Christ and not, who are willing to say, well, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. So we have this idea that there's this spiritual power and presence without quite knowing what it is. Is it our conscience? Well, C.S. Lewis thought the Holy Spirit worked through our conscience. Um, in, in, uh, in various rehab programs, they talk about the higher power, and in some cases, that's truly, in some of the groups, that would be the whole, they would say that's the Holy Spirit at work. They may not say that directly, but that's what they mean. Others, they would not deny, they would not talk about anything like that. They would just say a higher power undefined. Or you talk about Mother Earth and you hear about the, the Earth crying out and the, is that the Holy Spirit? I'm not really sure. Um, I taught at the Quaker College and, and they would talk about um, the inner light. And on, if you went to like, George Fox, which is a Quaker College on the West Coast, they would say that's the Holy Spirit. But the Quakers on the East Coast that I was around, they would say, that is absolutely not the Holy Spirit. And, you know, so... <laughs> or we Zen. What is Zen? So it's really kind of a challenge to talk about these things because we're not quite sure sometimes. We, we kind of understand, but it's a little vague and we, not quite, we don't quite get it. So in talking about this, and particularly about the power of the Holy Spirit, um, I want to go back and tell you a personal story. In the winter of 1980, and I know exactly when it was because it had such a significant impact on me. I know where we were living. I know the apartment we were living in. I know the, the kitchen table I was sitting at. In the winter of 1980, I read the following verse, verses. It's, this is from 2 Timothy chapter 1. 
For this reason, I remind you to fan in the flames the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The version I read at the time was, well, it's the same, it's basically the same. So I'll just, but if I quote it a little bit differently, you know it's because I read it in a different translation. And I read that, now so I grew up going to church. My parents were devout followers of Christ. I was a follower of Christ. One of my, one of my grandfathers and several of my uncles were pastors. Um, so I had, in 1980, 26 years old, I had a pretty good sense of what the Christian life would look like. What, what does it look like? Or I thought I did. And I read this verse, and I don't know if you've ever had this experience, I'm sure you've had this experience, that you hear something and you read something and it just leaps off the page and if you were British you'd say you were gobsmacked. It's just like, I never thought about that, or I never saw that before, or I never heard that before. And even though maybe it was familiar to you. And that was the experience I had when I read this verse. Because I thought, well, you know, I kind of know what this Christian life should look like. And if you say it's the Spirit does not make us timid, well, I certainly knew about being... <coughs> <clears throat> about being fearful and timid. And that's actually been one of my rules of thumb as I think about these things through, my, through the rest of my life. Is, am I acting out of fear? If my motivation is primarily fear, it's not coming from the Holy Spirit. That's just a quick aside. All right? But gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Love, I understood. I had been surrounded by love my whole life. I had seen love. I knew what love looked like. I knew the Christian life consisted of love. Rob, could you get me a glass of water? Allison, thank you. It's good to have roadies. <laughs> um, uh, now, um, so love, I knew what it looked like. Self-control or self-discipline, I knew what that looked like. Because, you know, you don't do this, you do this, you do this, you, don't, you do this, but only so much, and so on and so on. It looks a lot like legalism, in the, you know, but, but it's not. You know. So I thought I knew what that looked like. But power? Spiritual power? What does that look like? I thought, I don't think I've ever seen this. I have no idea what this is talking about. I don't know what this is talking about. And, thank you. So, so I did what you could do. I thought, well, okay, it's something, it's a, it's a different translation. Let me read it in a different translation. And, nope. Every translation I looked at, which wasn't that many at the time, now you can look at hundreds, but they all would say power. It really did mean power. It wasn't something peculiar about the translation. Well, then I did a little bit deeper, and I got out my Bible concordance. And you, maybe, you may not be familiar with the Bible concordance. There were these big, thick volumes 
but you kept on your shelf to tell other Christians you were serious about Bible reading, but you yourself really didn't look at it very much. <laughs> maybe that's, maybe you did. But I got my concordance and I looked, up, looked it up. You know what the word is? It's the word that, it's, it's a, it comes right over into English. It's the word that we use for dynamo, dynamic, dynamite. And I thought, okay, you can look at my spiritual life and you could describe it a lot of different ways. But even if you were being kind and grading on the curve and giving me the benefit of the doubt, you weren't going to call it spiritual dynamite. You just weren't. I thought, I don't know what this is like. So that began a question that I have wrestled with and pursued for, since 1980, basically. I read very widely across the spectrum of Christian thinkers and writers, going back from the church fathers to the modern people, from Pentecostals and Charismatics to the liturgical people. I tried to read, what are you talking about with spiritual power? What does this mean? I would talk to people that I, who I respected, which wasn't a huge number, but it was a, it was a number, and, and say, okay, what is the spiritual power? What does this look like? Because I just don't think I have it, and I don't think I see it. And in fact, um, if you had seen my library in the spring of 2018, so we moved here in the summer of 2018, and I was under direction to, um, well, librarians call it collection development. The rest of us call it getting rid of books. But, so I, so, but if you had looked at my library at that time, you'd have seen a lot of baseball books. But the second most common topic was probably on power, spiritual power. I read a lot trying to understand what this is. So, what is it? What does it look like? How do we know what it looks like? To help us understand the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to use another example of spiritual power that may be familiar to most of us. Now, there may be some of you who aren't familiar with this. That's okay. I'm using it as an example. I'm not actually talking about the example. I'm using the example to understand spiritual power. But I need a show of hands. How many here, and those of you online, show of hands, um, how many of you of here have seen at least one Star Wars movie? At least one. Okay, so that's most of you. All right? So you know, let me just summarize very quickly. If you haven't seen them, the Star Wars movies there is an evil empire. And there's a plucky group of rebels who are trying to overthrow the evil empire. And there are people on each side who have, who use this thing called the force. And the force is a spiritual power of some sort. All right, so what if we were to compare the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to what we know about the Force from Star Wars. Now, I'm not going to talk about the Force from Star Wars. I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit, right? But if you understand, if you know about the Force from Star Wars, you may make it helpful. 
And I'll just tell you, I didn't do as deep a dive onto the power of the force as I did on the Holy Spirit. I didn't really care if I got the force right, but I really care about getting this Holy Spirit right. And what I did was I sent an email to, uh, well, an email to Deb, my wife, and to Allison and Rob and my son Andy and his wife Kelly. So five people close to me who know about the power of the Holy Spirit and know about the force. And I said, help me compare the power of the Holy Spirit to the power of the force. And I got lots of, lots of good ideas. I mentioned it to Dan and Angela, and, and uh, it got a lot of more good ideas. Dan and I went off on a, on a long string, and Angela sort of looked at us and said, boys, 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 stay on topic. <laughs> so, but, but, you know, and so I, I, was ta- I had lunch this week with a, um, a friend of mine um, who's a seminary professor. Actually, he was one of Matt's seminary professors. And, and I told him I was going to talk about this, and, he's, and he and I talked about it. And then I talked about it with Dell the other night, and Dell added some ideas. So a lot of people have given me ideas on this topic. So if you hear something that is particularly insightful, that's mine. You know, I probably have, that's probably my contribution to this. All right. So let's start talking about the Holy, the Holy Spirit and comparing it to what we know about the force. If I could have the next slide. Now, we want to start with this part. They are fundamentally different in character. They are not the same at all, all right? Here are some of the ways that they are really different in character. The Holy Spirit is one of three persons of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's the Godhead. And one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring us to worship the other members of the Trinity. All right? There's nothing in the force that involves worship. There's nothing, it doesn't point to anything beyond itself. All right? So it's, maybe it's not even a good comparison to make. All right? Um, but that's one of the primary things of the Holy Spirit, is to point to the other members of the Trinity as well and to cause us to worship. All right? Second, The Holy Spirit is intensely personal in a way that the force is not. And here's what I mean by that. The Holy Spirit penetrates and knows every corner of our lives. And here's examples. You know, I just felt that God was prompting me to give you a call. I felt God was prompting me to do this. I felt that, you know, I thought there there was something... Every single one of us could probably give an example of something that, that, that God prompted us to do or say or someone to meet with or someone. To, and, you know, and it could have just been anything, but you know yourself that it was a word, that it was something coming from the Holy Spirit. I can give you an example for Deb and I would use that involves electronic transfer of banks from banks. But we knew it was the work of the Holy Spirit. All right? It's a per- very, very personal. Very personal. Another thing. The Holy Spirit does not have a dark side. It has nothing to do with evil. No part of it is evil. And, you know, in the, in the force, you have the, the dark side. And they go to the dark side. Well, that's completely not Christian. 
that comes from Eastern religion. That's not, that's completely not Christian at all. So that's not at all the Holy Spirit. James 1.13 says, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. All right, boom. All right, or there are other, other verses we could use, but this is really not, you know, the Holy Spirit is entirely good. So, 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 since they're so different in character, you know, why are we doing this? Why am I doing the comparison? It's apples and oranges, right? I mean, it's not, you know, not talking about the same thing. Well, the reason I'm doing it is because <clears throat> I think we have misunderstandings. I certainly had misunderstandings about the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can use another spiritual power that even if it's Hollywood depicts it, then you know, um, then we can understand what the Holy Spirit is. So, so maybe we can learn some things about the power of the Holy Spirit by this comparison. All right, so here are some similarities between the Holy Spirit and what we know about the Force from the Star Wars movies. The Holy Spirit is present in all times and in all places, although people may not be aware of it. All times, all places. I said to Melanie this morning, Melanie and I were talking about before the service, I said, one of the problems with talking about the Holy Spirit is what if the Holy Spirit suddenly breaks in in the middle of a, in the middle of a sentence? You know, because it could happen, right? And then it takes the direction in a completely different way, right? I trust that the Holy Spirit is breaking in in the middle of my sentences and is directing them, but, you know, we'll see. All right. The Holy Spirit, in a very mysterious way, that... Remember, I was, I am a scientist, a, a lab scientist. I was, a, you, know, I, you know, I don't deal in mysterious things very well. But in a very mysterious way, the Holy Spirit is able to detect its presence in someone else. The Holy Spirit at work in you can be detected by the Holy Spirit at work in me. And that is completely mysterious. I don't know how that happens. There's a similar thing going on with the force. But I don't know how that happens. When we came in four years ago, and we came away from our first meeting here at Cascade Covenant, and Deb and I said to each other, the Holy Spirit's at work in there. The Holy Spirit's at work in those people. And, the people. and we met half a dozen people, maybe. Maybe not even that many. And we said, the Holy Spirit's at work here. What was it? I don't know. It's mysterious, but that's, that's true. The Holy Spirit gives us capabilities beyond what we expect or even believe is possible. And in that way, it's similar to the Force. This power is honed and developed through discipline and self-control. Again, similar to what's portrayed by the Force. Even those people who have not sort of completed their training, even people, even followers of Christ who are not, say, fully mature, maybe they don't read their Bible as faithfully, or they haven't gone to seminary, or they, they ah, I'm a fairly new believer. Even you know, all of us, no matter where we are on our spiritual journey, all of us know the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And all of us, it's being developed in all of us. You don't need to be a Jedi master before you can, before you can use the Holy Spirit. Similarly, that was the force as well. In fact, one of the things that I think enters into this is that we are, we feel like, well, I'm not really mature enough, so I don't really want to have the Holy Spirit because, so we just sort of ignore it or subdue it or not respond to it. We kind of don't use it. And that, that to me is worse than saying, okay, it may go in a different direction. I may misunderstand. I may use it wrong. But I let the Holy Spirit direct me. So it's worse probably to ignore it. In the same way, you remember the scene, use the force, Luke. You know, and that's, that's the same story, right? The Holy Spirit is present and at work in all of us. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Great verse. Actually, you know what he's talking about when he said that. He was talking about living in, in poverty and want and, you know, it make it, you know, you know it's kind of not what you think. But he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or Jesus in his, in his meeting with the disciples at the Last Supper, a section that you should, it's worth reading. John, starting in like John 14. In that long discussion with the disciples where he's telling them about the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit is going to come and the Spirit is going to come. And he says to them, John 14, 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing. Think about the works that Jesus did. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I am doing, and they will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father, and the Holy Spirit will come. So, what, what kind of power is this? What does this look like? But it's very different from the force. I can have the next slide. They're very different. The Holy Spirit is never, ever used to control someone else. The force is used to control other people. The Holy Spirit's never used to control other people. As a parent or a former parent, boy, I would have liked to have the ability to control the behavior of my children. I'd, I'd have loved to have this power of the Holy Spirit. You know, that'd have been great, but you couldn't do it, all right? The Holy Spirit's never used to control someone else. The Holy Spirit is present in some form in all people since we are all created in God's image. All, and all the followers of Christ have the full power of the Holy Spirit. That's not true for the force. Han Solo was a good guy who fought for the plucky rebels the whole time, but he was never had the force on his side, right? So that's very different. But it's, it is, the Holy Spirit is present and available to all followers of Christ. How is the force used? The Holy Spirit is never, ever used for violence against other people. Never. 
there's no New Testament example that you can find where anybody under the, under the, with the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit commits a violent act against somebody else. So if you see violence, the person can't claim to be working by the Holy Spirit. That's not the biblical Holy Spirit. You want an example? There was a Pharisee named Saul. And Saul breathed violence against the church. He did everything he could to stamp out this Christianity. He was, he believed that it was just something that needed to be eradicated. And his own words, I breathed fire against them. He encountered Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. And now it was the violence against him. He endured beatings and whippings and imprisonment and shipwrecks and I could go on and on. His, he goes on at some length about all the things that he suffered for the gospel. But he himself never once committed a violent act against someone else. Okay. Here's the key main difference, I think, between, if I could have the next slide. And this is where I really want to have you think along with me as you think about the Holy Spirit and the force. In the Star Wars movies, the Jedi's learn to control the force. And they learn to control the force so they can accomplish their own goals, blow up the Death Star or whatever. So they can accomplish, win this saber, lightsaber duel. It's to accomplish their own goals. That's how they use the force. They summon the force, they control the force, the goals are their own goals. That is the exact opposite of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit controls us. We learn to submit to it. And through it, the goals of God are being accomplished. Not, we don't control it to accomplish our own goals. And we don't control its power. This is a really difficult point. And I think all of us would struggle here at times. When we pray, we're not summoning the Holy Spirit and asking it to accomplish our goals. We're submitting to the Holy Spirit. We're learning to submit so that it, God's goals can be accomplished. When we sing, we're not summoning the Holy Spirit to come and accomplish our goals. We're asking the Holy we're trying, we're submitting to the Holy Spirit to accomplish God's goals. We don't control the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit controls us. So with all of that, what then is the power of the Holy Spirit? And what is it used for? If it's not to accomplish my goals, it's to accomplish God's goals, what's it used for? It's the power to forgive one another. It's the power to endure personal trials and hardships with hope and faith, even sometimes with joy. 
It's the power to work together to maintain peace. It's the power to heal emotional and psychological wounds in one another. Dan said last week it's the glue. The power of the Holy Spirit is the power to be one body, united under the Lordship of Christ. No church has ever really managed that, I don't think, in history. Maybe we could be the one that we truly are one body united under the headship of Christ, knit together, glued together, Dan's word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Often, like Jedi's in the Force, the source of the unity comes from the common cause that they're working for. They're working for this cause, and that's where the unity comes from. But you know what? We've seen how shallow and fragile that is. We're not working for a common cause. We're working under the authority of Christ. We're working for a person, not a cause. And that's really different. Our unity goes so much deeper because we are held by the Holy Spirit under the headship of Christ. Not for a cause, but for a person. So let me go back and just summarize, if I can have the last slide. I told you, it's a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. So what is this power? Let me read this verse from Galatians, or these verses from Galatians. This is what the power of the Holy Spirit looks like. This is what it produces in us. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Starts with love, just like the other one had love. Love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, forbearance. I'm getting them out of order. Let me start over. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's possible, although I wouldn't press the point. I'm not sure it's true. Love and self-control. So you've been given a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Right? Love and self-control bracket the, bracket the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe the middle part is the power of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because that's a fairly familiar verse for a lot of us, let me read a paraphrase from the message, which I think speaks to it in a very different but very powerful way. What happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, Exuberance about life. Serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things. A sense of compassion in the heart. And a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments. Not needing to force our way in life. Able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. So, as it turns out, 
I had seen the whole power of the Holy Spirit of my entire life. I had seen these things. I just didn't know that's what it was. That fruitfulness, that's spiritual dynamite. Let me pray. Lord, thank you, Lord. I, first off, thank you for knitting us together under your headship by the power of your Holy Spirit. That would not happen if we were simply here for a cause. We're not here for a cause. We're here because of you, a person. And I pray, Lord, that we may be this fruitfulness. We may have this fruitfulness in our lives. That by your Spirit, committing ourselves to submit to your Spirit, learning how to let your Spirit work in us, that we will have this unity and this power. In the name of Christ, amen. Now, I want to remind you before I, we're going to have a closing song. We have a congregational meeting immediately after this. We're going to try to keep the break in between them short, which will allow the congregational meeting to be short, and then we can get on with the other things we have to do. But one of the primary goals in the, of the congregational meeting is that Sam, Birch, and Marla Eicher are, are going off the leadership team. And if you see Sam and Marla and you know them, you should thank them. They have been faithful servants of God to the church for the last four years. We're going to ratify, we should ratify, two new members, Megan and Janelle. They have agreed to be servant leaders for you in the church. So please thank them, pray for them, pray for all members of the leadership team. All right, so congregational meeting, after, there's one song and then a benediction in the congregational meeting.